This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. This season has turned into, I feel like a respite for so many of you to just come and to feel not alone in what you're struggling with and that there's hope and that there's real tangible ways to crawl out of the stuck places that God has for us. And I I am so excited for this interview today because many of you have followed my sister's story and have seen pictures of my beloved nephew who was diagnosed with Down syndrome and is truly the most lovable, delightful, beautiful child you've ever met. I cannot, we were just together for Thanksgiving and I stared at him the entire time. He's just absolutely delightful. But the journey to where Katie is today has been hard. And so Katie, thank you so much for sharing that with everybody today. I want to start with a little about you. So just, I am one of three girls. I'm the oldest. And then we have our middle sister, Brooke. And then Katie is our baby sister. And our baby sister has been through so much in life. And there's another episode that you can hear a little bit about her journey with another difficult situation in her life. As a big sister, it has been so hard to watch my baby sister go through so many difficult moments. And yet we say all the time, my my other sister and I say all the time, we are, she's our hero. Like she, we want to be like her. Like she is just amazing. But Katie, let's start with just a little bit about you, the context of your life, what you do, who you are, what you care about. And then we'll go into the story of the last year plus of your life. Okay. Yes. The baby sister of Jenny and Brooke, but I am a mom of four. I've got a 13-year-old Sawyer son, and then I have 11-year-old Brooklyn, and then I've got three-year-old Gracie, and then Caleb, who just turned one years old. And a very busy job. Yes, and I work full-time. I own my own company. I'm an interior designer in Little Rock, Arkansas, but do travel. So, you know, our our lives are very full. Married to an amazing man who is in commercial real estate and development, so we actually work together a lot. So that's always interesting. A lot of people say we could probably have our own TV show, but again, I'm terrible at this kind of thing, so that would never happen. Y'all, HGTV actually reached out to her, and she ignored them. Never. I would never. <laughs> okay. Your design, if people want to check it out, is Katie Grace Design. Is that correct? Yeah. On Instagram, it's Katie Grace Designs. And then yes. my website is katiegracedesigns.com. Yeah. We do residential, uh, mostly residential, and then also some commercial stuff. So yeah, it's a fun job. It's a lot. Brilliant. And this year has been, has definitely been trying with having to kind of navigate and manage all the things that we have on our plate. But so if people didn't hear your first episode with me and, and Brooke, talk about just real quickly, high level, because they can go back and listen to it, kind of the, just what you went through several years ago. I had Sawyer in Brooklyn in a previous marriage and Without um, divulging too much publicly, it was a very traumatic turn of events in my marriage. Walk through a lot of darkness, walk through. The only way I can explain it quickly is just an instance that my whole world and life was turned upside down. I was divorced, full-time single mom for a few years. And just one of those seasons where, I mean, I, I remember, Jenny, you always said, take your daily bread. Like I, every single morning for 
months. That's what it felt like was just kind of a grieving plus having to be a single mom plus pick up the pieces of having to move plus keep my company going because I had to provide for my two kids. And so, um, thankfully, uh, through that season, my amazing husband came into my life. And although there is still hardships with the brokenness of our past, um, he has been a true, I mean, Jenny can testify just the biggest answer to prayer. And we, um, have now created two beautiful kids together and my first two children, he's their full-time stepfather. We have, um, full custody. And so he's been amazing to them and, um, parents as if he was their biological father. And so we have such a, you know, beautiful family and we are so thankful, but at the same time, I've walked through at least, you know, a decade of some, of some really hard seasons. And so that's kind of where our next journey of Caleb, it kind of started off in a way that I was thinking, oh gosh, Lord, I can't handle much else. I know, I knew, you know, we're not set up for an easy life. God does not promise that that's nowhere in the Bible. And I knew that, and I know that, but when you're weary and you have gone through a lot, you sure want one. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think it was kind of, I got when Gracie was born and we got married, we got remarried and then Gracie was born and um, she's three now. I kept thinking, why did I feel like I only got about a year and a half of reprieve? Like, I'm not saying it wasn't still hard. We still had a lot of hard things um, because of the brokenness of a divorce situation and dealing with my older kids' emotions and confusion. And obviously there is still that. But I just felt like, okay, like I look at everyone around me and I, and again, comparison is so from the devil, but it's hard not to do that when you feel like, gosh, I feel like I have been a faithful child of God. I feel like I, you know, have (laughs) made decisions in my life to honor the Lord and to bring glory to him, even in a dark situation with divorce and some really yucky stuff that was not my fault. When the news came about our pregnancy, I think um, it really, I feel like I was like, I couldn't be as positive as I was when the first grief journey started. I was like, oh, I'm exhausted. Like, I can't, I'm not going to keep it. I can't keep a smile on my face about this one. And it wasn't, it's a journey. So I guess we have to go back to the whole story of Caleb, but I just felt like I couldn't handle it. I was like, I am, I, and I, I didn't realize until probably after he was born that your body and your brain physically change from trauma. And I think that the first trauma kind of led into me dealing with this new trauma and not as I didn't feel like I was as healthy. Well, it felt like you've been run over and you were just starting to get up and then you get run over again. Yeah. And so let's start with, I want to start first and honor so many of you that are listening to this and have children that were diagnosed as well with Down syndrome and just say, there's not a shortage of celebrating this kid's life. He is adored. You adore him. So, I, But we're going to walk through this in a real way. And, and of course, there was a point where all you could see was the fear of the future 
of what this could look like for you. So let's start at the beginning. And I remember where I was when you called me, and I think it was within minutes of you finding out you were in an airport. Talk a little bit about just that day. Yes. And I, I what Jenny said, we cannot picture our lives without this little boy. I mean, he is the like heartbeat of our family. So I, I do exactly what Jenny said. I want, I hope and pray that this is received with non-judgment. And especially if you've been there, I really think there's non-judgment, but people who have not been there, I hope there's also some grace with hearing and putting yourself kind of in the shoes of a mom who gets this kind of news so suddenly, but I was in an airport, thankfully with my assistant and, um, with work and who I'm close to. And I had done some, some blood work that I didn't even realize was not mandatory. But when I got pregnant with Caleb, I had just turned 35. And so they love, they love to, to say that you're geriatric. And so this was my first pregnancy to be over 35. So we just did, I thought I was just signing up for the normal blood work that you do just because I was a little older. I get a phone call and basically the genetic testing came back that there was a nine out of 10 chance that our son was who we found. I found out in that phone call too, that he was a boy, which we had been praying and hoping for a boy had trisomy 21. Now in that phone call, there was also this, but it's not for sure. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a 10% chance that it's, or I don't even think it was 10%. I can't even remember. Basically I heard, I think it was nine out of 10 chance. Um, and I thought it's for sure. So long story short, I get back to Little Rock. I have, you know, it's a traumatic phone call that I get. And then I have to get on a plane. And then my husband happened to be out of town, had to get on a phone call with him. We weren't even in person for me to tell him. They give you the opportunity to do an amniocentesis around, I think about 15 weeks. Um, And we had to wait until 20 weeks to have our ultrasound for the physical confirmation. But we decided not to do the amniocentesis because first of all, there was a risk for miscarriage. And second of all, what would change? Absolutely nothing. Cause there would, you know, there was a 0% chance that we were going to abort him. And so we kind of just spent the seven to eight weeks in such a weird, those eight weeks were the hardest in my pregnancy because it was like, we were sad and we were grieving the what ifs, but it wasn't for sure. And then you kind of feel bad for grieving because it's your child and you what was happening inside of you? Like what what was going on? Were you were you imagining the future? What were you feeling? Were you feeling scared? Yeah, I think with special needs, I mean, there's just a whole life ahead of you that are that's just so unknown. Even, you know, every appointment we would have and his organs looked good. There were still unknowns. There was still you're still a high risk pregnancy. He's still, you don't know if you're going to have a normal birth story. A lot, you know, a lot of babies are born with heart defects and there was that aspect of it. And then there's also, I'm, I'm now, you know, I'm tired. I've been through a lot. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I think God got it wrong. Like I'm not cut out for the longevity of this. I mean, there's so many things I'm still learning and I believe Caleb is going to have a beautiful independent life. But when I felt so weary and as a parent, as someone who's been through a lot of hardship, I, you know, immediately in a selfish way was like, Oh, I mean, now we're never going to be empty nesters. We're, you know, we're going to be lifelong medical care therapists, you know? And so I think when he wasn't here and he wasn't in my arms and you're just carrying, 
you know, your, the your son that you don't, that you don't know, yeah. it is a whole slew of scary unknowns. And John Aaron and I were just talking about how much we've grown. If we could look back to pre Caleb and pre diagnosis, how much we have both grown in that we truly do take it day by day. Like it is, and we truly enjoy each day when it's a good day, because it's like, we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And if anything, Caleb's taught us that <laughs> over and over and over again, that diagnosis part and the pregnancy part was, was really challenging because he wasn't in my arms. And so all I had to do was have time and I was uncomfortable and I was scared. I was nauseous. I mean, you know, you have the normal pregnancy hormones that don't make you feel well, plus added anxiety. emotional yeah. anxiety and fears and, um, you know, not wanting to have a baby shower because you didn't feel like celebrating. And, and I, I know there are some parents, I really do believe, cause I've, I've absolutely been amazed by the community that I've been welcomed into in the down syndrome world that has welcomed me with open arms. And I do believe there are several parents who get the diagnosis and it's, they know how beautiful their lives are going to be. But I personally, I know hundreds and thousands of other moms, you know, I went through a grief process. And I think if you are a mom who has gotten the diagnosis and it, not even just, you know, with down syndrome or there's all sorts of, I'm in, now I'm in this huge medical community. And I mean, there are so many of us and it is a journey that I think requires so much grace from other people, but also grace for me, for me not to feel bad that I felt those feelings. I told someone on Instagram this morning, I said, she reached out to me. She found, she got a birth diagnosis and of course going through all the emotions. And I, I said, one thing that I can say in full confidence is the grieving and the, and the wondering and the questioning that I, the questions I had for God and the wrestling, I fully have peace that it did not take away one ounce of love that I have for Caleb. Nothing. Mm. I believe that you can hold both. You can hold the questions and the, and the, the worry of what his future is going to look like. But also at the same time, I, I don't want to change him. I'm so obsessed with how God made him. So I think that although I'm now, he's a year old and we got our diagnosis in June of, I mean, we're, you know, we're a solid 20 months in of this journey. So I can say that more confidently now than I could have, you know, even just a few months ago. So I want to, we've talked a lot about Caleb. I want to talk about kind of where you have been. And I want to talk about the therapy that you did recently for trauma, because I think that was such a turning point for you. So just to give a little high level, Caleb is born. We all are madly in love with him. It was pretty instantaneous. It wasn't hard. <laughs> He's just delightful. And yet in his body, on the outside, he looked really great and healthy. On the inside, he's had multiple issues, surgeries, been in and out of the hospital really this whole year, which has been really difficult for your family. And Katie, for you, and you are often the ones juggling work and in and out of the hospital with Caleb. Talk about just emotionally where you've been prior to getting the help that you did recently and what led you to get therapy. Okay. So uh, through the pregnancy, there was kind of that aspect of the journey and grief and 
processing. And then we go in at 32 weeks and we had had peace that his organs were developing. And all of a sudden we are now going from processing and waiting to full-fledged, he's in medical crisis, the baby. From that moment, I would say until about February, it was, yeah, he, he was in the hospital for four and a half months, you know, surgeries, heart, open heart surgery, all sorts of very, very scary, traumatic. Our birth was traumatic, you know, like the scenes in the movie when like his heart is stopping and they're having to like whisk me off. He's out in like six minutes. And, and so I, I think what happened with, with me personally was once he came out, it was almost like fight on. It was like, okay, like it is not like we have to keep him alive. He, he, we are obsessed with him. Like it was a uh, very intense four and a half months where I feel like I didn't even have the time or bandwidth or anything to feel anything. It was almost like, I remember having a few breakdowns, but it wasn't, there wasn't time for it. It was like, if I wasn't at the hospital, I was working or with my kids that were home and I was trying to keep our family together and happy and have a, have a happy home life for the other kids, but then all of it. So I think what happened, I just remember feeling like when he got out of the hospital, I was like, something is like, I don't feel like myself. And I think what happened was, is that I had not let myself feel everything I should have been feeling. And so I called and tried to get into a counselor. I had not been in a good counseling. I had tried a few counselors in Little Rock and just had not had any success over the years. And finally, after feeling like the depression and the worry and the more or less like, woe is me type feeling that I kind of kept feeling like was taking up most of my days. And I was like, this isn't me. I'm not myself. Tasks that were once easy for me felt like going to family things. Everything felt hard, which is, you know, classic depression. But I think more than depression, it was just, my body was just like breaking. And so I got into a counselor that I'd heard good things about who was specialized in trauma training. And as soon as I met with her and told her my story, she was like, you are the perfect candidate for trauma therapy. I mean, just what your brain does because of trauma and how it reroutes in not good ways sometimes. And what had been happening was, is my brain had been rerouting through this trauma and I just needed to reset it. And I believe in the Holy Spirit working through counseling. I, I truly believe that. And so I was like, okay, I'm all in because I need, I need the Holy Spirit. And I also need some, like some professional guidance in how to feel like myself again. So there's all sorts of different trauma therapies. And I, I chose to do one called brain spotting. So Katie, real quick, give an explanation of kind of what brain spotting is, if people don't know. It is a tool that kind of just helps neurologically. You kind of have to go back to the trauma, which is the hard part, and really stay there. The point of it is that it, it you go back to the hard, go back to the to the traumas, and sometimes you even find new traumas through this process. But you go back and you stay there, and you reset neurological pathways that help you get have different responses from your trauma. And y'all are hearing hearing Caleb right now. Caleb's hanging out with us on the podcast. <laughs> and, and I just want to say that these are trusted neurological practices that help break open pathways. This is what we're talking about. This is not 
crazy woo-woo think about meditate on this crystal. I mean, this is just, it actually is very physical in what's happening in your brain. And I've researched a lot of these specifically with get out of your head, but also just needs around me with people that I love. And I don't, they actually don't uh, in any way go against scripture and and you see, in fact, scripture discussing things, which I've mentioned before, like mourn with those who mourn, that open up neural pathways. So when you go back to moments that you're scared to go back to, and you do it in a way that helps open the pathways to remember and to heal, it's just the way God made our brains. It, it, it's working with what God made. It's not crazy. I'm just going to say all that. And it's worth researching. I mean, you might come to a different opinion, and that's Okay. But I have seen it be transformative, specifically with people with trauma. And I'll, I'll say this too. I mean, I started trauma therapy in March and I'm still in process. But what I ended up doing, I had done a couple, you kind of do a lot of talk therapy to get to what the traumas that you need to really break open and hit hard on. And I realized in my day to day, I could not do the brain spotting in the traumas that I've had and then go back and being a mom and go back and working and being creative. And so I tried it a couple of times and it, you know, it's hard. It's very hard work. Really quick. I want to be super clear on this because this kind of sounds like I was at a breaking point and I had to do brain spotting. And it's, first of all, I was functioning and I was, no one would have known that I was kind of at a breaking point. So I'm really proud of myself because I feel like I didn't, I didn't let it get too far from feeling like I couldn't return. You got help all, before you were. Yeah, I, before I was, I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, a, I'm, I was worried enough about how I was approaching life that I was like, this isn't me. You don't have to be at like your breaking, breaking point to work and do some hard therapy like this. Um, and I also want to be clear that I wasn't signing up to do brain spotting because of Caleb's Down syndrome diagnosis. This had this was traumas that had built up from my past. This was some very scary medical trauma that I had been through with the with the pregnancy, with the delivery, with his medical diagnosis, with seeing him, how I had to see him when he was born and open heart surgery. So I wanted to be really clear because once we got medical diagnosis with his heart and his kidneys and all the things that we deal with, with his little body, the trisomy 21 diagnosis was like, no thing. Like we didn't even, right. it's still to us. It's still like delightful. He's Caleb. Like yeah. he's just Caleb and we want him to be well and we want his organs to work. And so I want to be clear on that. Cause I feel like it could have warped into this therapy and I didn't really make that clear. When we decided to do the intensive, I, first of all, it's kind of humbling to go to your husband and say, I think I need to go away for a little bit. And I think I need to take time for myself and, and deal with some things. And, um, my therapist was like, I really challenge you to like, she was very clear that she wanted it to be, you know, we had three days and she wanted it to be no more distract, no distractions around me. So, you know, I went away from my house. We spent three solid nine hour days doing some trauma therapy. It wasn't all brain spotting. She had, there was all sorts of stuff we did in this intensive. Um, what I can say is, is it was terribly hard and I did not enjoy the three days, but it was so needed. And what came out of it was 
more confidence in my life. Like I, I left, she had me do an assignment at the end and it was kind of a recap and it's, and we did an assignment at the beginning. And I just, I, I remember doing that recap after the three days and I was like, I can already feel my perspective shifting through all this, you know, hours and hours that we've done for three days. And I, I went back like rejuvenated, like, okay, Lord, like you have called us to this very specific calling in life. And, you know, am I going to have weary moments? Absolutely. But after that intensive, I felt like I could do it. I felt like Mm. it's like God just shifted my perspective and helped me see where I feel like what can happen through trauma, through PTSD, through depression. It's almost like all the hope that God has for you right there gets just kind of dimmed. You know, it's like, You can't Mm. see through, you can't see the light. You're just like, God promises you that there's hope, but it's like, I couldn't, it was like, it wasn't matching up. It was like my brain and heart couldn't, couldn't line up, even though I knew that from God and I believed him. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't see the light. And I felt like as soon as the end of that three days and I recapped and I sat there and I did some writing assignments and I prayed and I just had time to like talk to God without a million interruptions. I really did feel like this one tool that God placed in my path helped me shift and helped my brain shift, um, helped my heart shift. And so even though when I could talk about what brain spotting is, and it sounds a little hokey, I do believe God used that tool in my life to kind of reset and gear up for this calling that he has called us to. And so, yeah, I, I do feel like it has been completely transforming for me. I'm still in process. I'm going to just say to Katie that you, you know, we were just together at Thanksgiving. You're different. You just are different. You are light. You laughed. You were connected. You, you just seemed happier. And I know it's not all about that, but to me, it's a pretty visceral change. And, and one reason I wanted to have Katie on is because I think some of you have lost hope and you really don't know that it'll ever change. And I just want you to hear lots of different people's story. And I know everybody's story is different. And Katie's is unique in the way that she's pursued help and healing. But there's a lot of tools and, and ways that God can heal you. And I think part of it is just asking him and saying, God, what do you want me to, I mean, back to Jamie's questions, what do you want me to know and what do you want me to do? And just asking him even after this episode, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Is there anything in here for me that I need to take steps with? Because some of you are where Katie was before, that it's just consuming you and it feels like I don't know how to function and I don't know how to go forward. What Caleb has taught us is that we really don't know what will happen. So the reason I feel like it was so important for me to kind of wake up and do some work and be my best and change my perspective was because, first of all, Caleb has taught us he's worth fighting for and to be my best for him. And also, things may not get much easier. He's on a feeding tube. He's on oxygen. We have, you know, a million medical appointments every month and sometimes three to five a week. We still have surgeries coming up. There's still so many unknowns and so many things that if I concentrate too hard will put me in a funk again. And I just thought, you know what, this is going to be a long-term 
um, our account, my counselor calls it unending trauma. So like, there's no like end date to the hard of the unknowns of the medical field, the medical world that we're living right now. And so she's, she's helped me be like, okay, but we can take this day by day and we can find the joy in a good day and we can find a good, the joy in a, in a good appointment. But I'm telling you before the intensive, that was very hard for me to do. I would go to each appointment and it was just like, every appointment was despairing. Like, Oh, I don't, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Like this is, I can't watch him suffer anymore. And so I just want to tell y'all that the reason I did find it so important is because I don't know if things will get easier in our life. And I think with long-term, you know, special medical needs and in, in that we have to be, us mamas have to be like kind of extra, have extra superpowers. And I think, um, when I started feeling myself go into some darkness, I'm like, Oh, I don't have time. I can't do that. Caleb does not deserve that. <laughs> mm. So, um, it, it has, that's why I say I'll probably continue to be in process in it just because, um, we don't know what's, we don't know what's around the corner for him. So we just have to kind of, you know, take it day by day and be the strongest we can. So I got to meet Grace, your counselor. And I have thought many times, Katie, about writing her a letter because she loves Jesus. She's an amazing woman. I enjoyed getting to know her. And she has helped my little sister who I love. And I'm just grateful for the body of Christ and the people playing their different roles and doing what they're called to do and how God brought her into your life for such an important season that he knew. I want to I want to give you greater healing. Oh, I'm just so grateful. You are the best, mama. And I mean, it has been hard and beautiful to watch you struggle well. And you have consistently done that, Katie. You have consistently chosen God and chosen his ways over and over again, even when it felt like impossible to do. So I'm so proud of you and I love you so much. I love you. Hey, I want to make sure that you know about Jenny's website because y'all, every single one of these episodes is in blog format, the entire transcript. So if you want to share something from the podcast or you want to find all of Jenny's downloads, like the dream guide, the friend guide, anxious thoughts guide, there's so many amazing resources that our team has created just for you. So don't miss it. Go to JennyAllen.com. Allen.com.